light. Help us to walk out of this place being a people of hope and not just having hope for ourselves to contain in a bottle, but may we take this hope to our city, to our neighborhoods, to our families, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus, may you teach us this morning how good you have been to us even in this last year. And thank you for so many that for decades have built this great place alongside of your work and your heart called Hillside Community Church. We celebrate you, your life and your work in this place. And we pray, we pray in advance, even before Aaron comes to bring this word, we pray in advance that you would use Hillside in the decades to come in ways that we never could have thought or imagined. You might use each of us. We're the plan. You might work your plan through us. We ask that only for the glory of Jesus' name, not for a church's name, not for a pastor's name, only for the glory of our Savior Jesus. And it's in his name alone that we pray this. And everybody said, if they agreed, amen. Amen. Good morning and welcome to Hillside. How are you? So we figured that uh, these easels had been retired for about a year. It's time to break them back out. They're collected too much dust. If you're new in the last 18 months, you have no idea what we're talking about, and that's okay. It's an inside joke. We don't do those often. We try to never do them, actually, but this time we couldn't resist. Uh, this weekend, we, we, we sort of paused to look back on a year of massive transition in, in my life, uh, in your lives, in this church's life. A year ago, I became the senior pastor. This weekend was my first weekend here at Hillside. Uh, Some 34 years ago or so, a group who desperately wanted a, a light for Jesus in Rancho Cucamonga decided that a church was needed. And so you guys, some of you in this room, you, you started meeting in a Bible study. Pretty soon after that, you brought in Dave Burns as your first senior pastor. And not too long after that, some 52 of you charter members launched out into this unknown, not knowing what God was going to do, but just believing God was saying, take this step forward. And we pause to remember to say thank you. If you're here and you're one of those charter members, if you've been here from the very beginning, thank you so much for the faith. Yeah. On a day like today, we're so grateful for Dave and Donna Burns and that willingness that, that, that they had this line they used, that we wanted to be in over our heads. That's what it means to walk by faith. Not for everything to line up and to make perfect sense, but to say, God, we want to walk by faith, not by sight. We want to be in over our heads. God, help us. And so we've been through a massive transition, uh, and we wanted to just reflect a little bit about some of the things that, that happened through the transition and the process. So most of you know Leslie Walpus. I want to invite Leslie to come on up. Welcome her with me. As she's coming up, let me intro her real quick. 24 years ago, Leslie and her husband Hardy and their, their young family moved here. Um, actually, did you have any children when you came nope. here? No children. So just Leslie and Hardy came. And they now have four children. Uh, Leslie, just to, to let you know a little bit, she has been sort of unofficial staff. I don't even know what 
title you've had for over 10 years. She has faithfully served here at Hillside. And, and up until like February, she has never received a dime. And then we decided to bring her on staff to be a part of us. And so thank you so much. For years and years, the ministry that, that she's been the most hands-on has been heart-to-heart and different women's Bible studies and those kind of things. And, and we've just asked her, help us as a church to, to just wrap our arms around discipleship for the whole body. And heart-to-heart has done a fabulous job of doing that over the years. But, but we know we have room to grow uh, as, as a whole body. And we've asked Leslie, and she's graciously stepped in and started doing that. So he, here's what you may not know um, as well. During the process of transition, Pastor Dave... Uh, led so well and came up with this idea to have three separate teams. A search team that looked for a new pastor in total secrecy, right? Like you guys were sort of bothered by, give me a hint, give me something, but in total secrecy. And then a board and and a staff team to work in conjunction and and hopefully in unity to lead this process. Leslie led all three of those teams through the process to help to be that point person through this search process. Yeah? Yeah. So just to get a sense of what happened and what was going on around here, as Pastor Dave came to you guys and said, I'm retiring, just explain to me, like, after you picked yourself up off the floor, uh, what was the sense, the attitude, how did you guys respond? Oh, I think after we picked ourselves up off the floor, there was the sense of, what do we do now? Where do we start? How do we start? And started looking for a search firm to help us. We had to kind of gather around and who, who are we, who are we going to be. I think for the search team especially, there was just this overwhelming sense of responsibility that, that God had given us this gift, this church, and we didn't want to blow it. Yeah. <laughs> and so just there was, there was fear, not a scary fear, but we want to be... We want to do the best we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so you, got, you guys brought in a search firm, some mm-hmm. consultants. What were some of the things that they said as you transition from a, a long, long tenured senior pastor, one that's slightly older than um, me, <laughs> um, what were some of the things that, that you could expect in a transition? Oh, they told us several things. Um, first thing they said to us is be patient. Um, they also said to us some hard facts. You know, like as soon as your senior pastor tells that he's going to retire, you can automatically expect your attendance to go down. It's just going to go. You can expect your, your giving will go down 15% by the, when he announces it, and then when the new pastor comes on, it'll go down another 15%. So just be prepared for finances to drastically be reduced, for attendance to drastically be reduced. And then topped it all off with the kicker where they said um, Fortune 500 companies in a transition have a chance of one out of two of success. Churches, especially one with a 30-year leadership leaving, uh, you have a one out of three chance well, of being successful. News. It was really. <laughs> we I guess like, the jury's <gasps> still out on that one, though. So yeah. <laughs> uh, we talked the other day, and, and you know, God has been gracious. So Very. first and foremost, God yeah. has been gracious. Uh, Pastor Dave did an amazing job leading into and through a transition. Yes. But we also talked about some other things that we just felt like were so instrumental in in helping this transition to be smooth. Just speak to a couple of those. Oh, I think the primary factor for why it's been successful has been prayer. We, we came to the congregation and we said, we're asking you to pray. So many people had said, well, what do we do? What do we do? How can we help? And really, our job was to search, and we asked everybody, their job is to pray. We, we asked you to pray as a, as a body. We asked you to pray as families. We pray you know, as individuals. We even gave prayer cards. You know, These are the things we want you to pray for. We want you to pray for the new pastor. We want you to pray for transition. We want you to pray for the search firm. But uh, a big part of that, too, was 
we asked Hillside to pray for who we would be as a church, that we needed to be ready for a new voice. We needed to be ready for new leadership. And one of the factors that why a transition often doesn't work is because, and the, the company had said to us, are your people really ready? And very often a congregation isn't. And so we asked our people, we can't do this without prayer. You need to pray, are we ready for a new leadership and a new vision to, to build on what God has built already? And so we had a phrase that we were uh, deeply desperate and deeply dependent for spiritual intervention. This wasn't a business decision. This was a spiritual decision, and that required all of us yeah. to be praying. Yeah. And you guys did. Yeah. You guys prayed, and corporately you came together and prayed. As families, you prayed. Many of you made it a part of just your personal uh, walk with Christ to pray and ask God to be gracious. And, and, and we just wanted to stop and take that moment to say thank you for praying. This transition would not have been nearly as, as successful apart from your prayers and God's divine intervention. So thank you so much. And we just wanted to brag on you guys to say we're, we're so grateful that you sort of seeded um, this whole process in prayer. And I'm a beneficiary of that, and we're grateful. Thank you. Um, that's just a little bit of a, a, a glimpse into Can you just thank Leslie for all of her help and support? Thank you very much. The, the first time that, that I met you uh, was in this room, or, or a lot of you, there was a Q&A. Anybody remember that? There were like six or eight hundred of you out there, and then there was me. And you had all kinds of questions, and I was like, duck, cover, pray for mercy, uh, please be gracious, and how fast can I make up answers off the top of my head? But there was one sort of theme of the questions and it was something like this. It was, Aaron, if you were to be the next pastor of Hillside, what is your vision for blah, 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 fill in the blank, whatever that was. And so I would think and pray on the spot and came up with this great answer about four times. I don't know. I have no idea. That's a good question. Let's pray about that. Because here's the thing, for me to come in with a cookie cutter vision or mission or say, hey, let's do this, hey, can we try this, that would, that would sort of be crazy from where I sit. Uh, and, and so instead we came to this agreement and, and the board and the staff and I talked about this a lot. Let's take the first year and let's just try to like each other. If we could just do that, that would be a successful year. If we could just take a year of transition from a long-tenured senior pastor and you just start to like the new guy and the new guy just start to like you and build trust, yay, God, we won. That's a pretty ambitious vision, vision right? I mean, we were dreaming. We were shooting for the stars. But we just said, how are we going to go anywhere together if we don't know and trust each other first? And so that really was sort of how we set ourselves Let's build rapport. Let's love each other. And let's prayerfully like each other too in the process. But in the midst of that and saying, okay, we're, we're trying to build trust. And I, and I believe God has been incredibly gracious in letting us do that. We've also had some wins. And I just wanted to share a few of them just to say, thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Just in the area of discipleship. And, and, and I would be the first to acknowledge we need to work at this. We need to do a better job. But we had some moments that were just beautiful around here. Back in the fall when we did the weird study, we had over 1,000 of you from junior hires through adults, over 1,000 of you every single week reading the book in a group, sitting in circles, talking about the book. 1,000 of you saying, I want to grow in my relationship to Christ. That's pretty amazing. 
That's good stuff, a thousand of you doing that. We've had more involved in heart-to-heart and women's Bible studies like Beth Moore and Stuck than at any other time. We've seen God do great things. Our sports ministry is thriving I just played in the golf tournament last weekend with 140-some of you other people. It was dangerous, and there were lots of injuries. No, I'm just kidding. But, but the golf course was amazed that we would be able to get that many people in this economy out there to play. And that was just sort of a, 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 a glimpse of what happens week in and week out during soccer, basketball, baseball, flag football. As these ministries are packed and on this campus and fields all over this area, that ministry is thriving. In fact, almost every one of our ministries is, is substantially up in attendance. Downstairs, our preschoolers, they have 50 more children every single week than they had a year ago. Our children upstairs, every single week, 80 more children every single week than they had a year ago. <clears throat> After the, after the second service, um, with last night's baptism and this morning's baptism so far, we will have in the last nine months baptized somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 people already. Our, our attendance just in the first four months of this year is up on average over 300 more than it was all of 2012 put together. And then lastly, financially, uh, I, I just wanted to be able to say this financially, The consultants told the team, you can expect as soon as the pastor announces his retirement, a 15% drop, and after he leaves in the first year, another 15%. Our budget is as big as it's ever been, and we're passing the budget every single month. You guys are being generous. And and on that note, if I could just say, here's what your generosity allows. It allows us to dream. It allows us to make a difference. It allows us to go and do things like this food packing event we did a couple of weeks ago. We raised $30,000 just for that, and our budget was still up almost every week, way more than we needed every single week, because you're being generous. It allows us to make decisions as we're starting to plan for the future. And over the course of this summer and in early fall, we're going to have some meetings where we just sort of talk about, here's where we as a staff and aboard believe God is calling us. Will you pray with us to this end? Will you help us reach this? One thing that we are doing, June 1st, we have a brand new staff member coming in, and his name is Mark Zorowski. He's going to be our family pastor, our associate pastor of family ministries. He's going to work within uh, and alongside of our preschool, our children's, our junior high, and our high school to try to bring alignment, to try to bring leadership development to a new level, recruitment and training of volunteers, so you feel even more appreciated and equipped. And then he's going to help also with some general pastoral duties. So your generosity is allowing us to move forward and to focus on God what is it who is it you're calling us to be there's some there's some verses of scripture some passages of scripture that we continually talk about a lot and I just wanted to remind us of these passages and maybe you're new here and you're just visiting today and this would be a glimpse for you to say okay at least I learned a little bit of what this church is about so if you have a bible we don't even have them on the screen I don't think Matthew chapter 22 We're just going to read a few passages just to remind ourselves. This is who God has called us to be at Hillside Community Church. In this passage of Matthew 22, Jesus has been talking a lot, teaching a lot, and people begin to ask questions. People are trying to challenge him. They're trying to say, well, well, what are you really about, Jesus? 
And so another one comes, Matthew 22, verse 34. <clears throat> this one is a, an expert in the law. It's a lawyer. You know how lawyers are. Verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him. He's going to test Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What's the most important commandment of all of the many, many, many commandments? What's the most important? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. All of those other commands can be summarized, can hang on this idea of love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And secondly, love others as yourself. Now, when he asked what's the greatest commandment, the, the, Jesus could have responded. The typical response could have been based on of all of our personalities, preferences, temperaments. Some of us may say, well, you need to know what you know. That's the greatest thing, right? You need to have right doctrine because that's most important. But that's not what Jesus says. No, right doctrine is important. Knowing what the Bible says is important. But Jesus doesn't say that's most important. Some people may say, well, prayer, prayer, read your Bible. Those are the most important. You have to do those things. But that's not what Jesus says. Others may say worship. Worship is the most important thing. And all about that singing songs or however you worship, engaging with God. But Jesus says, wait a minute. There's still something more important. And there's something that I would even say, it's the heart motivation behind why we have theology, why we learn, why we pray, why we read our Bible, why we worship. It's love. The motivating factor of our hearts should be love. And we know that Scripture says that love doesn't originate with us. The only way that we even know what love is is because God is love. And God has taught us what love is. He's showed us in the, the preeminent act of his showing us his love is sending Jesus, his son, to die on a cross. Because he says, I love you so much. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And one of those primary things we want to remember at Hillside is we exist to be people of love. That God loves those that even we don't love. And that when you gather in a place like this, our hope and our prayer would be that you would experience the love of God. That you would hear that Jesus loves you and Jesus gave himself for you. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you right now in this moment just as you are. And that we would be a place that would encounter this love. That in the Bible, we see Jesus spending time with people the religious people didn't spend time with. We see Jesus loving people the religious people didn't love. But, but I don't know about you, but as for me, I vote I'm with Jesus. What do you think? I want to love like Jesus. I want us to be a place that looks like Jesus, not like religious people, not like the Pharisees. So that we would be a place where we experience the love of God and then out of an overflow in return, we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that is demonstrated by our love for others. That's that litmus test that we're people of love and that we wouldn't get away from that and we wouldn't be distracted by other things that we would say, 
the most important thing, the greatest thing, is we want to be a place marked by the love of Christ. On top of that, Matthew 28, you can turn there. I have to hurry, so you have to listen faster. Matthew 28 is one of those passages that marks also who we want to be as a church, who we believe God has called us to be. In Matthew chapter 28, the end of the chapter, Jesus has died. He's buried in a tomb. The disciples, they're worried, they're scared, they think all hope is lost. But miraculously, he rises from the dead. Jesus comes back to life. He shows himself. He shows up and he says things like this. Give me something to eat. I'm hungry. You're like, what? Well, he's just showing. He's really there. He's really alive. And then he gives some of his final teachings. In Matthew chapter 28, um, starting in verse 16, we have what we phrase as the Great Commission. I'll begin reading in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I have the authority of heaven and earth. So here's your commission. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now in that version that I just read, there's, there's four verbs. And we talked about this last summer. In, in that NIV version, there's four verbs. They are go, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. And we talked last summer about those, those four verbs. And maybe, it, maybe there's just three and there's combined. But in our English, there's four. And we said... In Scripture, one of those verbs carries the weight of the passage. Anybody remember which one it is? Make disciples. Sometimes we're tempted to say it's go, but, but it's actually make disciples. And it's saying as you go and as you're living your life, make disciples. And as you're making disciples, baptize them. And as you're making disciples, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And so on that idea of go... It's not just a command for us to pack our bags, to go on a mission trip, and do something like that. Now, that's good, and that's great, and right now, this weekend, in this moment, we have a team of some 60 or 70 people in Arizona at Rainbow Acres, and they're serving, and they're on a mission trip there, but can I just be honest with you? That's the easy part of go. And you may think, well, that's not easy. I don't know if I could do a mission trip. Wait a minute, really, that's the easy part of go. Because if you've ever been on a mission trip, and I've been on a few of them, and if you've ever been on one, what you realize when you go on a mission trip is you're focused. You, you really do have one mission, and that's to stay on track, be in that moment, do whatever you need to be doing. You're focused. The hard part of being able to go is what this verb refers to. It doesn't say pack your bags and go somewhere. It says, as you go, everywhere you go, live for Jesus. Be an example. As you are going everywhere you go. So it's easy for us to pack our bags to go somewhere else and to do a trip and to be on mission in that way. It's really hard to wake up on Monday morning, every Monday morning, and go with this mentality that I am going to represent Jesus. I'm going to school tomorrow morning and I'm on mission. See, that's harder because... We're not as focused. We're distracted by all kinds of other things. But, but the reality of this call is, it's for us, Hillside, to say, 
Life is not about you. It's not about me. We have been blessed and we have so much to celebrate, but we're not to keep those blessings to ourselves. We're to help others. We're to make a difference in the lives of others. And Hillside, we need to be reminded again and again and again. Church is not a place we come. And it's complete. Church is us being the people of God. And yes, we gather at times to worship, but then we go. And we make a difference. We speak words of encouragement to those who need it. We help those who are in in need. We make a difference. So that idea of go, first of all, make disciples is a second idea. It's this this idea that, that permeates the Great Commission to say it's not enough to just come and sit and watch We've got to be involved. Discipleship requires effort. And there's a passage that's in Ephesians chapter 4 that I think helps us to understand what it means to make disciples and what it means to teach them to obey because it doesn't say make disciples so help people to know a lot. Knowing is not the end goal. It's to know and obey. That Christ is calling us to, to know and then to live it out. And Ephesians 4 tells us this. It says that when Jesus um, went to to heaven, he handed out gifts above and below. He filled heaven with his gifts. He filled earth with, with his gifts. He handed out gifts like this. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work. Working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other. Efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Listen. Fully mature adults. What does a fully mature adult who is in Jesus look like? He says it's fully developed within and without. Fully alive. Like Christ. What does that look like? What does that mean? It means this. At least. We move from saying what's in this for me. To saying how can I help? And so what this passage is saying that if you are a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. God has a plan, a purpose, listen, even a mission for your life. And if you think the mission that God has for your life is I need to come to church once a week, maybe once a week's hard, so two times a month. And there's God's mission and I've done what he wants me to do. Check. I'm just telling you, you're not fully alive in Christ. He has more for you. He has a call for your life. He's given you gifts and talents to use for his glory. And they're not gifts and talents to come sit in a green chair for his glory. It's to be involved in making a difference. And I'm not just saying in the walls of this church. I'm saying somewhere in this world, find the place where your heart and the need of this world connect and get involved and make a difference. I told you that good news that we're celebrating it. Every single week from preschool to children, there's 130 brand new children over where we were last week. Every single week, 130 new children. That's bigger than most churches in America. Here's the problem. There are no more workers in those classes than there were a year ago. So we're up 130 children and preschoolers per week, but we're not up any workers And I would just say there's some of you 
who you can serve and you actually even have an interest and a passion. And you may think, well, I don't know what I can do. I promise you we have something for you. Can you hand out goldfish crackers? We have a place for you. Can you get the one child that runs that way while all the other children walk this way? We have a place for you. For the super spiritual elevated people who have more gifts than I have, can you change dirty diapers without being grossed out? We have a place for you. And there are in this room right now young parents who if they had the microphone, they would say, thank you to those who watch my children every week so I can come in this room and not worry about what's happening with my children. Thank you for watching. And there's just more of you who, oh, I know you could sign up. And maybe you say, well, that's not my thing. Well, that's fine. But what is that area where God would say, I want you involved. I want you making a difference. So that Great Commission is... um, Go as you're going everywhere, making disciples, teaching them to obey the whole idea of baptism. But then there's one more that I just wanted us to to, to remember in this moment because he's calling us to make disciples of all nations. And one of the focuses that I want us to just remember and continually remember that what happens here on this little plot of land on Haven Avenue, this isn't the mission that God has for us. The mission is as you leave, as you go out of this place. And it's here locally in Rancho. It's the Inland Empire. It's Southern California. But it's, it's on beyond that. It's also in, in Arizona where Rainbow Acres and that team are. It's, it's in Kenya, Africa with our partnerships. We've got a couple others that we're praying about. And that's why we're having a missions information meeting. We want to talk about that. But God has given us a vision to be about more than just this little plot of land. But listen, that's not God's call on Hillside alone. That's God's call on all of us. On all of us. Make disciples is not this thing that's given to a church building. It's given to God's people. You and I. And so as a parent, as a father, my goal is not to just raise good little boys and girls. I've been commissioned to make disciples of my children. It's bigger than them just just being good. It's bigger than them just getting a a good education and a good job. It's bigger than them being able to hit a home run and upward bound sports over there just to defeat that enemy team. It's to make disciples, to raise up godly little boys and girls in our home. And you have a task that God has called you. and, And perhaps it begins tomorrow morning when that alarm clock goes off and you drive into work. Perhaps it's even sooner than that. It's as soon as you pick up your children and you start driving down the road, you've been commissioned. Be a part of something bigger than yourself. Be a part of living for what God wants to do. And here's what I think is amazing. As Jesus gave this commission, specifically at this point, to 11 disciples, 11 apostles, what did those guys do? They went out and changed the entire world. Just 11. And they weren't very skilled. They weren't educated. They didn't have it together. So what could happen in a room, this room and the fireside room combined, some five, six hundred of us? What could happen if we owned that commission and we said, Jesus, okay, here I am. Whatever that means tomorrow morning, here I am. Use me. I think Rancho could start to look a little bit different, don't you? I think your workplace, your classroom could start to look a little bit different if just one of you, if just 
11 of us, if just five or 600 of us said, all right, God, I'm following you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the simple reminders of Scripture that, that just call us to more than what we naturally would do or accomplish on our own. And God, as we look backwards on 30-some years of you moving through Hillside and of you making a difference, God, we simply say thank you. Thank you for all that you have accomplished. Thank you for how gracious you have been to us. When those 52 charter members gathered together, I doubt they ever possibly imagined this place would be what it is today. And so not only do we thank you, God, we thank you for faithful men and thankful women, or we thank you for faithful men and faithful women who have followed you, who have given their lives over to you, who have said, as I go, I'm going to be about making disciples and teaching others to obey. I'm going to give my life and say, let me be a part of something bigger than myself. So God, we just ask you in these coming years to do even more than we could possibly expect or imagine to move powerfully, Jesus, we pray. In your name, amen. Again, I just want to say thank you for a great first year. Thank you for so many of you faithfully giving, thankfully serving, faithfully attending. I keep messing up thankfully and faithfully. I'll work on that for the next service. But we're now going to take up our our offering and our tithes. And and if you're visiting, please feel no obligation to give. Uh, This is a time where we just remember that God has blessed us with everything that we have. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. It's a time to worship. But even as we sing this song, would you just think about these lyrics, meditate on these words, and make them a prayer from your heart to God's.